Thank you. Give me that thing. You guys know Pastor Kyle has a problem with us every week. Let's see if I'm if I'm any better at it. Uh, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Uh, if you're here with your dad, kids, take him out for a nice uh, steak for lunch or something like that. Treat him well. Um, I my dad is probably watching. So hey hey dad, they're uh, watching on uh, live stream. I I ran into um, Ben yesterday when I was here at the church. And he said, hey, we're going to be streaming in uh, 1080p tomorrow. I was like, what does that mean? I'm preaching. And uh, he said, it's going to be high quality. I was like, okay. Uh, I hope so. that would be good. Hopefully the sermon is, is high quality too. So um, let, since it's Father's Day, let me show you guys a picture of my boys. My boys, that's, uh, that's Ray, Raylan is the oldest there. He's two. And his little brother there, that's the new guy, Brody. Uh, Brody was born on May 4th, and some of you guys may not even seen a picture of him yet, but look look at that face he got now. my brother doing? So I just had to show you a picture. I, I, I'm proud to uh, be their dad, and they're at home with mom this morning. She was up all night with them, kind of back and forth. Why didn't you wake me up? I would have helped, and she said, well, she's no more. So uh, she's great, and uh, she does, like, all the all the hard work there, parenting. But um, yeah, proud of those those two there. And uh, today I get to share with you uh, something that I'm very passionate about, and that something is making disciples. So Kyle uh, has been talking about this already for a few weeks now, and I actually preached on this very same thing back in 2019 when I first came to College Acres. Some of you, uh, it was almost two years ago, some of you may have been here at that point. Uh, if you may or may not have been listening. You may have been kind of feeling me out. And I, my mic not on? Yeah, 1080p. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Okay, all right, good. There we go. I'm not, I know Ben had to turn it up because I, my voice does not carry as loud as his. Uh, but he doesn't even need a mic. But uh, I definitely do. So anyway, uh, I preached on this in tw- uh, 2019. Uh, some of you may, may have been like, I, we don't even know if we're going to listen to this guy yet. We don't know if he knows anything about the Bible yet or not. And so you may not, may not have been listening, but maybe you'll give me a chance today uh, as we talk about this. And you may hear an illustration or a point that sounds uh, familiar uh, from that sermon, but that's not uh, because I'm lazy and I decided to go back into my old files. Uh, that's because I believe it's worth repeating. And it's very relevant for us as a church today. And uh, that's, uh, that's why if you hear something familiar, it's, I, I believe it's worth repeating. So uh, let's dive in together. I want to start off with an illustration uh, for you. I got a picture I'm going to pop up on the screen here. Anybody know that place? Like, my, never been there. Oh, my goodness. So uh, that's probably one of my favorite places to eat. My wife and Chick-fil-A keep me fed. And um, anybody know what Chick-fil-A does really well? Chicken, right? Well, they do a lot of things well. They do, like, drive through really good and um, customer service, all that stuff. Uh, but chicken, yeah, that's their thing. And so if you walked in on Monday to Chick-fil-A and you, you go up to the counter and the employee says to you, uh, sir, ma'am, um, no longer serving chicken, uh, we've gone vegetarian as a restaurant. So would you like a, a lettuce wrap and maybe a fruit cup? I'm going to say no and probably not be back too often, you know what I mean? Uh, the, I, I imagine that the drive-thru would not look quite as busy 
if Chick-fil-A went that route. And so that's, that's their thing. Chicken is their thing. And so if, if they miss that, they have missed it. They, they get that wrong. They get it all wrong. And as a church, if we miss this, talking about discipleship, if we don't do this well, then we fail. We could have the, the biggest building we could have the best student ministry in town. We could have a worship team that's releasing albums every couple of months. Like that, John? But if we don't do this, if we don't make disciples, then we failed at our mission. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And during our time together, I want you to see that discipleship is not a class. It's not a curriculum. It's not a program. It's a calling on your life as a Christ follower. Pray for us this morning, and we'll dive in word together. Father, thank you for this day we have to come together to worship your word and have us to understand about this calling you've given us, make disciples of all nations. I pray that you would help me as I communicate your word, Lord. I pray that I communicate with clarity and accuracy, Lord. We all uh, walk out of here uh, different than we came in. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Right, so you'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28, in verses uh, 19 through. Still breaking up? Listen, I've always had microphone problems. How long has it been since I've been up here? And I must like produce like radio waves or something because it's on. Okay, so let me turn. All right, what about now? Okay, there we go. All right. Yes, I've always had microphone problems. Um, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, that's what we're going to look at today uh, together. And while you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit of background uh, what, of what you're looking at here, these verses, these words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has come to earth. He's lived the perfect life. He's, he made disciples. He walked with these 12 Man that he's standing with uh, at this, as he says these things, he's walked with them uh, for three years as they've done ministry together. Uh, Jesus went to the cross. He's he's paid the price for our sins. He's risen from the grave, and now he's standing with his disciples and he's giving them what we call the Great Commission. And so we're going to read that together this morning. And this is uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through twenty. It says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so if we look at this passage, you can see it up on the screen there uh, behind me. If we look at this passage together, we see that the commanding verb is make disciples. And going, baptizing, and teaching are all participles that are tied to that command of making disciples. They're how we go about doing so. And so you look at that go, that is a very active word. It's a missional sending out. It's not a, hey, sit and wait for someone to come and ask you about your relationship with Jesus. Sit and wait for someone to ask you about the good news. Go out, go to all nations, go across the street to your neighbor and share the gospel. So Jesus is sending his disciples out. He's sending us out as well. And then baptizing, Baptizes and into the family 
of God. This represents identification of people who have this new life and faith in Jesus. And we just got to do that, celebrate that last week uh, with, with some who had made that profession of faith, even though it was earlier on in their life. Uh, they had take that, taken that step of baptism last Sunday and expressed to everyone, said, hey, look, I'm a part of the family of God. I am not who I used to be. I'm a new creation. And so we identify uh, in baptism as people who have new life and faith in Jesus. And so we're called to baptize others into the family of God and to teach, teach others how to follow Jesus. This is not just information, but it's training people for obedient action. And we see Jesus model this for us. We see Paul model this for us. We see this model all throughout Scripture. So teaching others to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. And so we're going to kind of focus. I just want to give you an overview there. We're going to focus in on those three things. Uh, but let me, let me give you another uh, picture here as we, as we get. I'm going to take this mic off. It's kind of just, there we go. I feel like something's crawling on my, my, my neck there. So it, in his book, uh, Transforming Discipleship, Greg Ogden uh, illustrates the magnitude of discipleship in the world if we take this seriously. Okay, so I've got a, a, a picture here for you. So take a look at this, and, and let, me, let me explain this. Let me set it up. An evangelist hits the streets every day with the goal of sharing the gospel with as many people as needed to see God save one person. In, in contrast, the disciple maker walks two people through a year of intentional discipleship. The slow-moving discipleship process creeps forward with only four people being impacted in two years compared to the 730 converts through the solitary work of the busy evangelist. Let's see. Is it clicking ahead? Oh, go back. Year two. Libby, I'm just going to have you help me out there. All right. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I just shared with you, that you know, the, the evangelist has seen 730 people come to faith, and the, the disciple maker has only have four at this point. But however, this radically changes with the passing of time. So I'm just going to click through this here and let you see how this plays out. All right, look at that. After 16 years of the same activity, the evangelist would have seen almost 6,000 people come to faith in Christ. That's awesome. While the disciple maker would have impacted 65,536 people. Whoa. Every person on the planet would be reached multiple times over 30 years if we could catch on to this. 
You can see this, this picture here right in front of you. So it's a shift. It's a ministry shift from the strategy of addition where the, the pastor performed ministerial duties to the one of multiplication where believers, you, are equipped to personally participate in the Great Commission. Because I want you to understand something this morning, that God's plan to reach the nations is not something. It's someone, it's, and it's you. It's you. And so I want to focus on, uh, focus in on something this morning. Uh, our first kind of uh, point that we'll look at together is the Great Commission is not just for pastors. I'm going to turn it over to you, Libby, because I cannot keep up. The Great Commission is not just for pastors. Uh, my job as a, as a pastor, as a minister, is to equip you to carry out God's calling on your life. And I, I think we get it backwards sometimes that me or Kyle, whoever's up here on Sunday morning, is plan A. Okay, and I've got to get my friends to church so that they can hear my pastor preach the Bible and share the gospel. And, and I'm going to get them in, in the building and so that they can, that can happen. And that, so that maybe they get, they get saved and start following Jesus because I got them there so that my pastor could tell them about Jesus. But you, the church, you are plan A. We're here as pastors to equip you to do the work of ministry. As you leave this place every day, every, every week, uh, God has placed you where you are in your life for a reason. Have you ever stopped to think that there are people that you work with, that you interact with, that Kyle and myself will probably never meet? It may be somebody you work with, you're on an athletic team together, uh, you're in a hobby group, something that you like to do together. These talents and platforms that God has given you, they naturally put you in contact with people. And so we want to equip you guys to go and be the church to reach the people that, that God has placed in your life to make disciples where you are. A couple of years ago, I read a very uh, thought-provoking article by J.D. Greer, I think, had written it. And in this article, he posed uh, these questions, and I just want to share them with you this morning. So uh, the first one is, and we'll pop it up on the screen. How many members of, you know, of, of the church, of this church, of any church, uh, can look around on a Sunday morning, and you can point at someone outside of your own family who is here because you brought them to Christ? So you can look across the room, and you can say, hey, this individual is here. He didn't know Christ. I shared the gospel with him, and now he's in the local church, and he's growing in Christ. So how many of us can do that? Just something to think about as we, as we go through these. The second question, how many can point to someone who is here because someone you brought to Christ brought that person to Christ? And so you can look across the room and you can say, hey, there's, there's Tom. I, I shared the gospel with Tom, and Tom was able to start walking with Jesus. And then there's there's Gregory over there who Tom shared the gospel with, and now he's in a local church, and he's growing. How many of us can say that? If you can, awesome. And then the third question was, how many of us who read our Bibles daily have made an attempt to read it with an unbeliever sometime in the past year? So we'll talk more about that in, in, just, a, in just a little bit here, but very simple thing that that we could do. How many of us have taken that step in the past year? And then one more. This one's going to sting a little bit. 
If God answered in one fell swoop all the prayers that members of this church prayed last week, how many new people would be in the kingdom? And as we think about these things, I believe that, that many of you here today, you want to follow this, this calling in your life by God to make disciples. You want to do it. But here's the reason that we aren't. is because we don't know what to do. And when people don't know what to do, they don't do anything. And so let's take a look at the method uh, Jesus used for ministry. What a great place to start, right? And so Jesus' method was life on life. And so we're going to focus in on that here uh, for just a, just a few minutes. There is a, um, if you'll click that next picture real quick. There's an amphitheater in the seacoast town of Caesarea that Herod built between 22 and 10 B.C. It's less than 30 miles from the birthplace of Jesus. And so while we don't know from the Bible that Jesus ever visited this place, many historians and archaeologists would agree that Jesus probably knew of this place. If, if, if he never visited it, he at least probably knew about it. We don't know for sure, but we do know it's in the proximity where he was doing a lot of ministry. And so if Jesus wanted to, he could have gotten his 12 and says, hey, guys, look at this place. Isn't this awesome? It can seat, now really, it can seat about 3,500 to 4,000 people. And so if Jesus wanted to, he could say, hey, uh, you 12 disciples that I chose, here, take some uh, flyers. We're going to set up here every, every day. It's going to be the greatest thing anyone's ever seen. We're going to heal the blind, heal the, heal the uh, lame, uh, cast out demons, preach about the kingdom, and we're going to fill this place up. And I want you guys to just go put these, these flyers on every wagon and, and uh, building that you, you, can, you can find and tell people to come here. But that's not what we see in the Gospels. We do see that Jesus ministered to large groups at times in his ministry. We know this from the gospel accounts. However, he spent most of his time with a group of 12 disciples. And these men traveled together. They ate together. They went fishing together. They observed Jesus as he ministered to others, and he gave them opportunities to do the same. And Jesus invested his life into these men in his public ministry for three years. And so it's fascinating to see how this plays out as we look at, if we look at the Gospels and we really want to know how, how did Jesus do his ministry, we can read through the Gospels and see that. You know, Jesus' disciples, they were right there with him by his side, living life with him throughout his ministry. And so because uh, they were obedient to what he had invested in them, we even get to experience the Gospel today. We get to hear the good news of Jesus, because they went out as they were commanded to make disciples. So I got a picture I want to share with you, um, share kind of a personal uh, testimony with you of how someone modeled this for me. I went to college at North Greenville University in Greenville, South Carolina. It's a little Division II uh, college. Maybe not many people have heard of it. Uh, but I, I knew before I even stepped on the campus that God had given me a heart uh, for ministry. I went there to study uh, student ministry. 
In my freshman year, I got involved with uh, the leadership team for Baptist Student Union, uh, which allowed me to get to know our campus pastor. His name's Jody Jennings. That's the guy in the picture right there. And Jody has been someone in my life who has discipled me, someone who's mentored me. And every week, Jody and his wife, Emily, they would welcome us into their home. We would, we would study the Bible together. We would, we would share meals together. I remember my friend Mike and I, we would travel with Jody. Uh, Jody would speak at these uh, Disciple Now weekends across the state of South Carolina. And a lot of times he would ask us, hey, do you want to go with me? And so we didn't really have a role or a job to do. We were just kind of traveling companions. But, man, we you know, just learned so much just being along for the ride. I started preaching when I was 18, and, and Jody, he helped me write my first message in his office. And, 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 you know, I'll be honest with you. I can't remember a lot of the sermons or the messages that Jody preached. But what will impact me forever is the time that he spent with me welcoming me into his life and investing in mine. And so this was a, an example of, of me getting to experience this, this mentorship, this someone, someone coming along and, and, and as the picture shows, just kind of putting their arm around and saying, hey, come, let's walk together following Jesus. And I'll be honest, I believe in the local church that we've done an okay job of teaching people how to share their faith. But what we haven't taught them is how to share their lives. And so I like what Tim Chester says. He says, evangelism is doing normal life with gospel intentionality. Now, evangelism is actually speaking the gospel. And that, that's part of this, and we'll talk about that here. But one principle I try to live by is, as I do ministry, is I try not to do anything alone if I can help it. Uh, so sometimes that's kind of difficult when you're doing, like, manual labor and you want somebody to come do that with you for free, you know. But um, I, I try to, in ministry and in life, um, if I can help it, not to do anything alone. So I want you to think about that uh, today. What do you already do that you can do with others so that you might gain a relationship with them? Maybe you're a mom and you go, uh, you go to the park every Tuesday and you walk. You push the straw and you walk. And uh, you, you, say to, you pick up the phone and you say to a friend, uh, maybe they, they know Christ, maybe they don't. They say, hey, I'm going to the park like I do every Tuesday. I'm going to go walk. Would you like to come walk with me? There's no ulterior motive here. It's just getting to spend time and building a relationship with someone there. And who knows what kind of conversations are going to happen as you walk those laps around the park. But I want you to think about in your life, what is it that you are already doing that you could bring someone along so that you can might gain a relationship with them? So let's look at this together, uh, this living with gospel intentionality, because this is really, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you decide uh, when you walk out of here today, if you're going to be intentional about engaging the people in your life or not. And so how do we, how do, we do it? You know, I want to get real practical here. Um, how do we do that? How do we make disciples? How do we engage people? Uh, what is evangelism all about? And so we do 
Some of you are not going to like this, but we do have to step outside our comfort zone sometimes. We have to step outside our comfort zone a little bit. Uh, but let's start off with a real easy, uh, easy practical thing. This is not too far out of comfort zone. Why don't, you, why, don't, why don't you be intentional this week and try to share a meal with someone this week? If you eat three meals a day, that means you eat, this is easy math. I'm not good at math. But if you eat three meals a day, it means you eat 21 meals a week. And so just think about that. What if you just shared one of those meals with someone as an opportunity to get to know them better, to uh, share Christ with them, to share your relationship uh, with Christ with them? I mean, think about it. Jesus was at meals all, with people all the time. If you read the Gospels, like a lot of times he's, he's sitting down, he's having a, a meal with someone. And, and you don't have to have a script. You don't have to have a pamphlet or anything like that. It's when you're around people, your heart will overflow in that conversation. It's just like Kyle gave the example a few weeks ago of grandparents. Okay, you don't have to twist grandma's arm for, to get her to talk about her uh, grandkids. She's going she's gonna to do it whether you like it or not. And so the same way, if you are passionate about your walk with Christ, it's going to bubble up in your conversations as you, as you spend time with people. As you sit around a table, it's going to come up. And so the sec- uh, second thing I want to share with you, really practical, is, is share your story. Share your story. What, what has God done in your life? What is God doing in your life? One of the biggest misconceptions in the Christian life is attributed to this quote that I hear often, and I think it means well, but it says this. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Anyone ever heard that before? And so we have to understand when we think about something like that, that we have to understand evangelism and discipleship are two sides to the same coin. You can't effectively have, have one without the other. People simply watching you like live a good life is not going to bring them to Christ. Like Kyle talked about that a couple weeks ago too, smile evangelism, right? You just smile at somebody and hopefully they ask you like, can you tell me about Jesus? You know, it just doesn't happen like that. If we're going to uh, make disciples, then we have to share the gospel. We have to practice evangelism. And so we have to open our mouths. We have to speak and share the good news, share your story. God has, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God is doing in my life right now. I want to share it with you. I can't, I can't help but share it with you. I had a, um, it, you know, and I'm just going to go off script here a little bit, but uh, this is when I get in trouble. But um, it's, people say right now, everybody's super sensitive right now, right, in this world. And so people are like, oh, don't talk about God. Don't talk about religion with people because might, they might believe differently in you. You don't want to offend them. I'm like, if I believe what my Bible tells me, that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. And so if that offends someone, I'm not going to apologize for that. I want to tell you the truth. I want to tell you the truth. If I really believe the Bible, then I actually have to tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. I had a, a lunch uh, conversation with a guy I used to work with, and he says, you know, that's, that's the thing about you you Christians, we got to talking about it. It was one of those things that, like, we just sat down to have lunch, and it came up because, you know, like, I love Jesus, and 
it's not a secret, you know. So it, so it came up, and, and he said, you know, you, you, you guys just, you won't let other people kind of do their thing. Like, why can't you just, like, have your, your thing, you keep it to yourself, and you let these, you let everybody else kind of have their own thing, and, and they go their way, and you go your way. And I said, I can't do that. It's not very loving of me to do that. If I did that, it would, I would be letting someone just wander off into a, a place that's going to lead them down a very path that separates them from God. And so we have to speak up. We have to share Good news. Share your story. Um, I want to I want to kind of focus in on uh, life group for a minute. Our um, talk, take a look at at our life groups and what we're going to be doing together in the fall when we re- we resume uh, meeting together. Our life group should be a place where people find Christian community in the church, where they uh, grow in Christ together. And that's that's not going to happen here on Sunday mornings, sitting in these rows, like. This is great. Don't stop doing this. This is a big part of what we do as a church. But this is not enough. If you want to grow, if you want to be mature in Christ, we should, uh, we should have that time together with other believers where we can, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We can encourage one another, strengthen one another. And as we, we take a look, it's, it's, you know, it's something that it's, it's both a time for growth uh, for the already Christ follower and it's just something that's evangelistic as well. It's a place where, where people can belong even for, before they believe. You know, imagine you've been walking with Christ for 15 years. Someone walks through the doors of these churches today. They don't know Christ, but they begin to follow him. Then they begin to get involved in a life group. And as you, as you sit around and you talk about the, the text and the sermon from Sunday, this, this young man says, I, I don't understand that. And here's a chance to put your arm around him and explain the things of, of, of Scripture to him more clearly. And so what we want to do is, is, is there's no uh, magic formula here that, that we're putting together. It's simply looking at what Jesus has modeled for us and, and putting together that environment where we can make disciples, where we can invest in those around us. And for those of you that are, that are walking, have been walking with Christ for a long time, me and you, we, we, never, we never arrive at, oh, we, we got it all figured out. We, we know it all. No, none of us. None of us do. We all need to continue growing and being in a part of uh, things like environments like that where we can, can continue uh, to be sharpened by other believers. And then one more thing. Build genuine relationships. Build genuine relationships. If you share the gospel with someone and they begin a relationship with Christ, that's awesome, right? That's, that's real exciting when we see that happen. Continue to meet with them. Like, continue to meet with them. Uh, this, is, this is like if I bring Brody home from the hospital back in May, and I'm like, hey, son, glad you're here. Here's your room, and I just set him in his room and say, hey, there's some food in the fridge and some milk in there too. Um, see you later. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? Like he's a newborn. He doesn't, he, he doesn't know how to feed himself. He doesn't understand these things. And so we have someone that, that comes to faith in Christ, maybe they even get baptized. And then a lot of times what we do in the church is we pat them on the back and we're like, hey, good luck. We'll see you next week. 
we need to come alongside people, say, hey, look, I read my Bible every day, and here's how I read my Bible. Or this is how I pray. This is how you can pray. I said, you could, you could say to them, would you, would you meet with me once a week to, to study the Bible and to pray and to memorize Scripture? Something as simple as that. And you might say, oh, Dan, I, nope. I've never been to seminary. I'm not a pastor. I can't do that. That's, not, that's for you. That's not for me. No, I, don't, I would disagree. I think the prerequisite for that is this one thing. If you look at Jesus calling his disciples, he says, hey, come and follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right? There, were, there was some guys in a, in a fishing boat. He said, hey, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And so are you, following, are you following Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? And if the answer to that question is yes, then you've met the prerequisite. You can invite someone along on that journey. I love to see this in the, in the Gospels. Peter, Simon Peter begins to follow Jesus. And then what does he do? He goes and finds his brother Andrew, and he's like, Andrew, come with me, man. I'm, fo- I'm following Jesus now. Like, you've got to come. This is this is great. This is what we, we got to be doing. And so we should have that same excitement, that same uh, mindset. We're walking with Jesus. And you look around and you might invite, hey, you want to come along on this journey with me? I mean, because we're never going to stop ourselves. We're going. We're keeping going. We keep growing. And so invite someone along on the journey. Um, I, I mentioned reading your Bible with somebody. And so I want to, I mean, I'm just getting like super practical today because I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to, to walk out of here and be like, man, I can, I can do this thing. I can do it. Uh, when I read my Bible, I do uh, kind of a journaling thing called HEAR. Uh, so it's H-E-A-R. And so as I, as I sit down, the first thing that I do is I, I pray, hey, God, uh, will, you, will you open my eyes to help me understand your word, to help me to apply it to my life? I always want to start with prayer. And then as you read through, maybe sometimes it's just a chapter a day, and you read through that chapter and you want to have a highlighter in your hand or something, a pen, you can underline. Don't be afraid to write in your Bible. It's okay. It's good. I'll encourage it. Uh, but there, there may be something that, that just, man, just boom, it just hits you in the face, and you want to you highlight that so that you can reflect on it. Uh, you can go back and, and remember that later. Uh, explain. E is the explain. So uh, this, is, this is real important. This is when you kind of want to get the context of like who's writing, uh, who are they writing to, what are the circumstances of writing. You know, for example, when Paul wrote some of his letters, for example, he was writing to the church in Philippi. He was in a prison. And so you understand that he was, he was in a prison cell when he was writing these things. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Wow, we can kind of see what he's saying a little bit clearer. And so this E, this explain piece, if you've got a study Bible, uh, this is a great time to kind of, kind of look down at those notes and get some uh, insight there. Now, don't rely too heavily on them because sometimes they can, they can kind of be wrong or things like that. It's just written by, uh, by normal, normal men and women. But, you know, they're, they're not Scripture, but they are helpful at times. And so look at those uh, study notes. Sometimes that really is a really helpful thing. If you don't have a study Bible, that's like one of the greatest tools I would encourage you to pick up. Like, like you got to, 
got to have the right tools for the job sometimes. And so uh, when you're when you're reading your Bible, you're trying to study and understand. Like we put a couple on the uh, on our church website under uh, it's under resources, um, one of the tabs there, and you can see there's there's two there's a link to two study Bibles. Pastor Kyle and I would would recommend if you don't have one. Um, a for apply this application piece like God's word is relevant to your life today like it's not just an old book that was written a long time ago like when you read the word of God it's going to apply to your life in more ways than you could ever imagine and so as you as you reflect on it kind of understanding it a little bit God how would how would you have me apply this to my life today and then there are is for respond and so this might be a prayer or an action step it's how is my life going to be different because of what I've read in the Word of God today? And so just to give you an example, when I, when, when I want to sit down to, to read the Bible with someone, I'll say, let's just use the book of James, for example. There's, uh, there's five chapters in the book of James. And so you could uh, say to someone, hey, uh, we, can, we can read through the book of James together. You, you know, you kind of have to show them how to do that here journal. Uh, that I share with you. And I've got some little cards, by the way. Like, if you want one to stick in your Bible, I can get you one. Uh, just, just reach out to me and let me know. Um, keep one in my Bible. But kind of kind of show someone how, like, here's, you know, here's how I study my Bible. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I never really uh, knew how to, I was just reading and kind of hoping I was doing it right, you know, that kind of thing. So um, you, you show them that, kind of explain to them, and then say, hey, why don't you, We'll read through the book of James together, uh, a chapter a day, and we'll keep the, our, our here journals, and we'll get back together next week, and we'll talk about what God has been teaching us. And so you get back together in, uh, the following week, wherever you're, you're meeting, and you say, hey, so you got your, your, your notebooks there, and it's like, so what's God been teaching you today? What questions did you have? You know, and, and you can have these great conversations of, about the Word of God and really dig in to the Word of God together with someone else. And so, in conclusion, as we kind of uh, wrap up today, I, when, I, when I preached about discipleship in 2019, I was, I was at that time actively uh, meeting with a group of, of college guys, and, and I was investing in their life uh, the best that I could with some of these things that we've been talking about, like, how do you actually study the Bible? Uh, what does your prayer life look like? How do you pray? You know, that's not a dumb question, by the way. Like, Jesus' disciples asked him that very thing, like, show us how to pray. And uh, so um, we talk about these things, and here's the really awesome thing about that whole deal is uh, that was almost two years ago. And so this year when, when the whole COVID thing hit, uh, I saw two of these guys uh, step up and lead uh, Bible study time for their, their teammates. They were baseball players, and so, you know, when all the stuff was going on, coaches are all like, hey, stay with your team. Don't, get, don't, get, don't, you know, get sick somewhere and bring it back. And so it's kind of crazy. But um, they, they would meet with their teammates, and they would lead that Bible study time together. And so it's just great to see, like, here, here you are, you know, investing in someone, and then they take that and they're like, hey, now you do that for others. Like, you can do it. I don't know. Yeah, you can. You see me do it. 
you can do it. You maybe even give them opportunities when you're leading to say, hey, why don't you step in this week? Why don't you, why don't you lead it this week? And so they take, it's a passing of the baton. They, they, they take it and they're running with it because this is, this is it, guys. This is the essence of disciple making. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and I've got that for, for you on the screen. Um, Paul says to Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's so simple. It's so, and I think sometimes in the church we've complicated it way too much. And so today, uh, for many of you, I hope that, that you would say you've been encouraged. Like, I want you to walk out of here and be like, yeah, yeah I can, I, I'm encouraged. I think I understand I, I can do this thing. I can, feel, I can walk out this calling uh, that God has given me in my life to make disciples. And so for others of you who uh, may not yet be Christians or you may be wondering what, the, what is this all about? Like why, why is this so important, this thing that you're talking about, discipleship? Like why is it so important that Christians would commit their lives to it? And here's why. It's because the God who, who created you, who created everything that you see and know, he loves you. But you are separated from him because of your sin. You're divided from him. Your, your sin uh, drives a wedge in between you both now and eternally with a holy God. And so that's not, that's not good. That's really bad news. But the good news is that Jesus has come. He's lived the perfect life that you could never live. And then he went to the cross and he paid for your sin on the cross. And he rose from the dead, proving, yes, that he is indeed the son of God and that God has accepted the payment for our sins. And so when you hear, when you hear that, the question becomes, will you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because there is no other way. It's only Jesus. And so that's why it's so important. That's why I'm willing to commit my life to this. And uh, if you, you know, as I share that, if something just like sparks in your heart this morning, you're like, oh, I want to <laughs> know, know more about that. Like, I, I think I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. And, and I'm a sinner. Like, I need to be, I need to be saved. And so uh, when, when Kyle comes up here at the end, he's going to share with you some things about that. Of course, we'd love to talk with you uh, today. Uh, come, come find either one of us. We'd love to. Uh, we don't want you to leave here with questions or anything like that. But you got, you also got the note, a note card with a little connect uh, card on the on the side, and so you can tear that out and you can kind of you can check there and let us know um, kind of what's on your heart. And so we'd love to get together with you during the week and just have plenty of time uh, to sit down in a restaurant or coffee shop somewhere and say, hey. and so uh, get to know you a little bit. You know, here, what what questions do you have about this? And all those things. So we would uh, love more than anything to do that with you. And so let me um, let me pray for us this morning as we finish up. And the band, band, if you guys want to come on up, I forgot to wave at you. Father, I I pray that what we looked at today of what you have put before us, what you've commanded us to do, to go and, and make disciples of all nations. Lord, I, I pray that we're encouraged by that this morning. Lord, I, I pray that we're even more encouraged that, that you said that you would be with us, 
in this journey. We don't have to do this in our own strength, but you would be with us, Lord. So I pray that you would give us the strength to uh, live out these things, to build relationships with those around us. Lord, to, to get out of our comfort zone a little bit this week if we need to, to live out what you've called us to. And Lord, we thank you so much for loving us when we didn't deserve it. God, thank you that we can have a relationship with you through Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.